All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It's time for Panel to Panel, the podcast where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, talking about all that good nerdy news and comic goodness. You can um, definitely check us out on social media at P2P underscore podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now TikTok. We are everywhere. Much like our guests, we are trying to go global with it. But like, we're like our, our main platform where you can reach out to us and see when updates are, are coming for new episodes are Twitter and TikTok. But rest assured, even though Facebook decided, oh, we're, we're going to do podcasting now. And then after like four months, they're like, oh, no, we're not going to do that no more because they just turn podcasts off on freaking Facebook. I'm like, man, what was the point of saying you're going to support something and then not support it anymore? Like, it just... You you you, you got to put more initiative behind things. But anyway, you can follow this podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great places. Um, but, but like, um, hell, we're even on Amazon and Audible now. So wherever you listen to a podcast, make sure you check us out because we love he- uh, like you guys checking us out, hearing things. We're gonna start doing cool polls and whatnot. You even can support the podcast on Anchor.fm uh, slash panel dash two dash panel. You can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you want to do to help out the show. So make sure you do that. My, my name is James Portis. My uh, co-hosts are not here this evening because they did not want to go to the movie theater on time or at all in the case of Mary because she didn't want to see Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> but um, I had to call in reinforcements and. Luckily, I, I have some of the best reinforcements in town. Mr. Old Man Wade, how you doing tonight? Uh, when he means reinforcement, basically what happens is when Batwoman, Superman, and everyone else come in, they they dust off that old like computer, that, that old telephone. They're like, hey, Deadpool, are you free? Man, see, like, no. Nah. Let, 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 let's use the the old robot chicken joke. We we we, we like the super friends call Black Vulcan out of nowhere. <laughs> and freaking Phil Lamar comes in just like ranting like what am I a Vulcan what is this oh, <laughs> how you doing man you know I am fantastically well man I love being this on the show man I I am absolutely all for people who actually talk about comics man and actually know the material not just the stuff they see on TV and movies this is my shit man this is where this this feels like home to me 
All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, well, so is there anything you want to shout out for the good people that way they know where to find you? Uh, yes, you can find me on OldManWade.com on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Starting this week, uh, my fellow brothers in arms, Brandon and Super Bowl Javi, will be starting our first part, our second, excuse me, my second podcast called Bald Black Nerds. It won't be comic centric. We're getting into all nerddom. I'm actually going to start watching Star Trek so we can start discussing that. We just did a black. We just did a. Uh, we did an X Men episode. We've done a Batman episode, and the most recent one we did was about Doctor Strange. Apparently, we're gonna have to start watching Do- Doctor Who soon because they they, they went and dropped some news today that we getting a brother as the next Doctor. So that <laughs> I may have to start. Yo, we getting a we getting um a black do- um Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm all for that. We had Joe Martin last, like, 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 what, two years ago? And now we have um, the new guy coming in to take over as the 14th Doctor. And I'm like, yes, give it to me. Inject it into my veins. And, I, like, I, yo, straight up to anybody who is, like, on social media getting mad at black folks for getting hyped about this announcement, shut up. Like, oh. because there's people like, oh, I guess I'll watch Doctor Who now. Like, do you y'all don't understand how important it is to see yourself in a role like y'all see yourselves constantly now, now, now the argument could be made that oh the doctors have had people of color as companions but they've never had a woman until recently and they didn't have a black person as a doctor until recently and she didn't even get her own show she's getting an audio drama and a comic book while we have a brother doing the main show so don't don't leave people alone who are hyped about this announcement. Like for it's real. Down one of the most important parts of Moon Knight was. Have you talked? I don't want to spoil anything. If um, uh, we're, we're gonna be doing a Moon Knight episode probably like next week, but like like if, as long as it's minor spoilers, it's fine. There was a scene where they asked a woman asked somebody else, "Are you an Egyptian hero?" And they look at her and go, "Yes." That moment was one of the most important moments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history because they're acknowledging. The importance of representation. Yo, that should be important. So, so cry. I will drink all of your angry tears. Everything, <laughs> all of it. Give me your te- like. I'm not. I'm not Goku. I'm not saying give me your strength. I'm back I'm here. Saying, give me your tears. Give me your tears. Like, like, like it's so funny because like I love being on TikTok where people will bitch and moan at me about like how I'll call Hal Jordan like white bread because he's bland and has no character, and they want to get mad at me. And it's like, where's the lie? I'm, I'm just speaking truth, like because I because I made a post about how I was excited about uh, the, the the new John Stewart uh like Green Lantern animated movie we're getting, and at the end of it, I was like hashtag kill Hal Jordan because we we always want to kill Hal Jordan. How Jordan has no purpose. We've talked about it before. And Jeff Johns can suck a dick because there was no reason to bring his bland white ass back. But anywho, we ain't here to talk DC tonight. Um, we are here to talk about Marvel because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness decided to hit our television screens. Well, our movie screens, rather. And this was an interesting movie, to say the least. Um, this is a spoiler review. Um... For like, if you if you want to hear like the uh, like the, the spoiler free opinion before you click off and then come back later, it was good. It was it was it was a good ride. wasn't my favorite MCU movie, but it was all right. Wait, how how you feeling for like a spoiler free little review for folks? So there's there I have two minds about this. Whenever I review a Marvel Cinematic Universe or a comic book project in general, 
There's the comic book fan review, and then there's the movie review. The comic book fan of me absolutely loved every single minute of this. There were a lot of hints and remnants of the Jonathan Hickman version of this. I loved it. It made me happy. It it made me feel like it made me realize that Marvel's paying attention to this source material. It made me so damn happy. As a moviegoer, it was it was a little above an average movie. Um, okay. Was it the was it my favorite Marvel movie? It's close to the top, just because just from a lot of the it had the end game factor. But Endgame is a really good movie because of the nostalgia that comes with it from all the stuff that we witnessed. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. But is it great without the nostalgia? It's hard to judge that when your emotions are already in. That's a great way to go about that. Okay. So that's our little like spoiler-free opinion. But if you haven't seen the movie or don't care about spoilers, come back later, or if you don't care about spoilers and want to stay, or if you have seen it, hang out with us, because we're about to go full deep in this. <laughs> La- last warning. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, y'all, some hool- y'all some hooligans. Um, but no, um, <laughs> like, this is your final warning. Spoilers are abound. Um, three, two, one, you have been warned. Okay, so. Nick Fury back as, a, as an LMD. <laughs> Bro, if that, that, that's the, I just, this movie, like, I, like, somebody told me, like, like, the, like, 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 the first thing that I have to say about this movie is, fuck anybody who is upset about Amer- America's portrayal, because I had, I saw a lot of, like, white commentators on YouTube being mad that America isn't coming out swinging and being super powerful and headstrong, and I'm like, can, can, like, like, I can, if you haven't noticed, this is a younger version of America who, like, yep. isn't all about herself yet. Like, especially in America's first appearance, she was kind of just a part of a, a rogue team of people. And you can watch our, our America Chavez episode where we talk about this, but they're sort of telling her origin and how she starts to control her powers. We will get the the confident America down the road. There was nothing wrong with her portrayal in this movie, and the actress, uh, Soji Gomez, she did amazing. And I want no slander on her name because she was fucking phenomenal. And that, like, like, and that tells you how I feel about this movie already when I'm already on the side characters and not strange because Benedict did did Benedict things. Like that, that that's all I can, that's all I can say about that is just yeah, Benedict he- Cumberbatch came in and did his job and left. That's all he did. Yeah, he's gonna do exactly what he does. It's one of the reasons why when we, when um, me and my crew reviewed the movie, I was like, Wong was Wong. You know what you're getting from Benedict Wong. You know what you're getting from Benedict Cumberbatch. There are certain things you expect from that. And to your point about America Chavez, I would be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed in America Chavez. However, she, like you said, like you said, she can't just come out swinging. That right. doesn't. When you're, when it doesn't work in a cinematic platform. Like, like, granted, you could do, um, the Young Avengers, what Karen Gillan did, but we're not doing Young Avengers. We're doing her first appearance in the MCU and trying to sort of redeem her original first appearance because the original first appearance she kind of like looked like a, like she was a, a, a little too 
risque for, for, for a MCU movie. And they're trying to give her a better origin than what was done originally for her because her creators really didn't care about her that much. It was Karen Gillan in Young Avengers that actually made her the likable character we all love. So this is um, Sam Raimi taking a crack at it and doing right by her. And I think he did all right. Like, he did it. Like, like the way they displayed her powers was amazing. Um, just the way they went about it. And them having to come to grips with her having her powers and letting her grow into them was so cool. And I thought, like, 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 because the, the first strange is whole thing where he's like, I'm going to take your power and I'm going to kill you. And then it's like, <laughs> the, the next strange has to, like, make that better choice. Like the, yeah, like, and let me just say, the way she did the whole thing with the stars and the punching and all that, it looked great. Yes. And this is a Doctor Strange movie. This isn't a America Chavez show. This is what you'd expect and what you'd want from America Chavez. It was well done. So, yes, there are some things that you're not going to be able to get because it's not her movie. It's not her project. But what I saw in that was growth. You need this kind of growth when you have when you have a newcomer into the movie. Like throwing, um, like, let's take, what's the name? Sylvia in Loki. Yep. They had to so be a Loki. Yeah. They had to build up her. They had to build her up. Did she come out swinging? Absolutely. But there was also a thing where it's like you had to build up her personality. Loki was also on a new journey himself. So there's a lot that goes on with these characters. So exactly. America Chavez to immediately come out and be like, the laws of physics and kiss my ass, that doesn't work. So I, I definitely can say I enjoyed America for who she was. I applaud, and I have to—I hate that I have to say this for some—I have, have to applaud the mouse for actually sticking to their guns when it came to people wanting to cut the the mom scene. Like they stuck to their motherfucking guns, and it was twelve motherfucking seconds. Let, 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 let me remind people, but they stuck to it. They didn't go with the stupid retcon origin that they did recently. That I I hope someone fixes because that new origin is horrible. But they stuck with the original origin of space paradise and lesbian moms. That was the, that was the bomb. We're gonna stick with that. <laughs> Yep. So, um, I want to talk about the character assassination of Wanda Maximoff. <laughs> Whoa, character assassination! I'm here. To, I'm here to debate this, man. I honestly thought that what they did with Wanda was something that I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe lacked. We got a glimpse of it in Avengers: Disassembled, but what we saw here was here, un- here's the thing, though. Here's my issue. Here's my issue. We already got our House of M moment. We should have been already moving towards our Children's Crusade prequel, where what? Like, because like, the whole thing of Wandavision was her, like, her stepping into her grief, her coping with her grief, and moving forward. And then they're like, "Oh, the Darkhold corrupted her," and I'm like. <laughs> did we need that? Did we need to turn? Not only did we have, did we need to turn another woman into a villain, but did we need to make Wanda this like horrible evil threat that embraces the Scarlet Witch being the evil witch character? They should have been like, "Yo, why don't we make Wanda actually like like because like, I remember when when uh, No Way Home first came out, and you see that Steven going to Wanda for help." 
And then at the end of WandaVision, where she hears her boys call out to her for help when she's reading the Darkhold, I actually thought this was going to be her using the Darkhold for good and her helping Steven repair the multiverse. And then Sam Raimi was just going to be like, yo, here, we're going to pop out her kids the same way they just appeared in the in, in the 616 originally and have them run around and, and do whatever the fuck they want. Like, that should have been Wanda's reward. Not, oh, we're going to torment her about her kids still and not pay um, uh, Doodoo Plays Vision to come in at all. It's just every universe is just Wanda and her kids. No Vision. Just Wanda and her kids. I'm like... What? <laughs> well, all right, so bump this. I agree with you. I do agree with a lot of what you just said. The only thing I'm going to disagree with is I like the fact that she had her moment of dominance because we saw a glimpse of it in Avengers Endgame when she put the fear of God in Thanos. Mm-hmm. And so, so and then we saw WandaVision when she was dealing with her grief. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't think Wanda actually really dealt with it in in WandaVision specifically because all she saw was the negatives. She didn't actually come to terms with anything that happened. It was just, hey, I did some shit and, you know, that's it. I didn't think she actually had her redemption arc until her alternate reality self looked at her and gave her the okay to, to like, to grieve. And I think mm-hmm. the one thing that was missing from WandaVision, and I and I may have said this on a prior episode that it kind of just ended abruptly, but I like that she got this moment of she may have killed a bunch of people along the way and, and injured probably more. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people is an understatement that I it really is. So there, so I don't look at it as a character assassination because I really do feel that. What Marvel Comics did for her, it wasn't until this year with X Men Inferno that she was actually even accepted by the mutants. So back to your point about the um, the Avengers, the Wanda. I can't remember the, what the title is called. Uh, Disassemble and House of M. No, after that, when she um, the whole thing. Children's about, Crusade. The Children's Crusade. I think that all of this is building up to the Children's Crusade with Billy and Tommy, America Chavez. Um, oh, definitely! Like they they already, they already done put Eli in freaking Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like they're they're setting the chess pieces up. They're not getting I, ready for it. I think we're gonna see Wanda helping them along the way. So I think all of this is leading to Wanda's big redemption, her actual redemption story. Because she saw she got rid of the dark home in other mm-hmm. realities, but I don't think it's gonna be until we see the Children Crusade that we actually look and see her actually redeemed for the thing that she's done i'm putting money on it right here that the last piece of the puzzle for the young avengers tv show or movie is gonna be a young black version of kang popping up as iron lad in like ant-man quantumania or in in the wasp quantumania and or in loki season two we're gonna get a young Iron Lad pop up and be like, "I'm gonna go now, bye." And be like, "Young Avengers to, like starts forming like that." That's where we're gonna see that probably come about. But with here, it re- like I, the one thing I do like about what they did with Wanda is they've officially established that Wanda is the most powerful character in the entire multi like like, like the entire multiverse. Like 
She literally, like, it took her two words. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It took her two words to <laughs> shut down one of the most powerful, like, like, the characters in the Marvel Universe. What mouth? She said, what mouth? And this man was done. Like, like, like you shut down Blackagar and Boltagon, one of the most dumbest names in all of comics, but one of the most powerful characters in all of comics, with two words. And then she turned one of the smartest characters in all of comics into string cheese. <laughs> and then and, and then the rest of them just kind of folded over. And then she cracked fucking um, Professor Xavier's skull, which that was, oh my god. Like, you... Yeah. <laughs> like... <sighs> so let me just say this. There's a, there's a couple of things that I, that I loved about this. And I agree with everything you said, except for one point. What's up? <clears throat> I have written this in articles. I have said this on podcasts. The Inhumans on paper are the most powerful beings in the in all of comics. I think that super I think that Black Bolt could give Superman a run for his money just off just based off his voice alone. The problem is yeah, it's possible. The problem is with the Inhumans. They have literally been the punching bag of Marvel Comics since their conception. See, I'm going to disagree with you about that. I'm going to disagree with you about that. Because the problem with the Inhumans is they had the ability to be something back in the Marvel Knights era. And the Marvel Knights era gave the Inhumans their base of what what potential they had. But what burned the bridge of, of Inhumans for a lot of people was all new, all different Marvel and Marvel's push during them not having Fox. That's oh, no. what that's no. what ruined the Inhumans was Disney going, let's make them the X-Men. And that's what burned them to the ground for fandoms everywhere. No question. I agree with I agree with all of that. And the fact that they tried to make Karnak the wolf, the the next Wolverine was by far one of the worst decisions. That was I, so dumb. It was, it was bad. You know what makes it even worse? It was like, hey, we're gonna make Karnak the new Wolverine, and I feel like everyone was like, eh, this seems like a stupid idea. We'll have Bendis write it. Oh, 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 oh okay. It's still a stupid idea, and it was an awful idea. If anybody should have been the next Wolverine, it should have been Gorgon. Like Gorgon fits the bill to be an like a human Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah, and the pro and again, but the problem with that is no one actually cared about the Inhumans. Like, yeah, you're what, right. What have they? What have any of them done other than get other than Medusa? Other than Medusa, what have any of them done that's noteworthy? I mean, Crystal, like Crystal and Medusa, have both been Fantastic Four members, but otherwise, not really anything. Yeah, and and I hate to say it like this, but. Crystal was essentially just Johnny Storm's side piece. Like, I mean, you're not wrong. And then fucking Johnny Storm went and upgraded to Medusa, which I find hilarious. But yeah, dude, how nasty was that? That was that was hilarious. But um, but you know, like the the humans get a bad rep, and like I'll be the first one to admit the like because was i open to the inhumans getting a bigger role in the marvel universe yes but the minute they said yo the the intent the terrigen miss makes a mutant sterile i was like first of all somebody in your editorial department needs to get freaking back slapped because that is the dumbest idea you ever had because the terrigen mist has existed in the marvel universe for decades so that was stupid like, like, because there's this there's, there's 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 this issue of extraordinary X Men 
right before in Humans versus X-Men, where Storm walks into a tent in the Nether Realm, um, in the little camp they've made to avoid the Terrigen Mist, and there's this little there's this little black girl mutant that's dying from the Terrigen Mist poisoning. And she's like wanting to be a hero and want and wanna be like Storm. And it's it's written by Jeff Lemire, that's the craziest part. And it's like it's so intense. And like that that one issue alone makes you hate the inhumans because of what editorial has done to them. And it just it sours the idea of the inhumans in a lot of people's mind. And and again, like everything you're saying is the reason why this like it was like they tried to make the Inhumans the X Men, but in that whole run between the X Men and the Humans, I'm reading this and I'm going, "All you're doing is making me dislike the Inhumans even more." Yeah, you know what I mean. It was it was just a really it was a poorly done push. And again, it took and everyone talks about how great Wolver how great Wolverine is. And for the record, Wolverine is my favorite character. Yeah, Wolverine's great. He's just oversaturated. Yeah, and it's and I tell people all the time. I was like, before, before he cried after his um, wedding was um, broken off, he was a terrible character. He sucked. Yeah. He sucked for a long time. He didn't really come into his own until the first X Men comic. Until that moment, and then later with the first X Men comic book when Omega Red was introduced. It took a while to get Wolverine the way he was, and even with that. It was with the com- it was with the combination of great characters like Jubilee, even though her powers are vastly underused, Rogue, yep. Cyclops, Xavier, Magneto. It took a while to get him to that point. And even now, it's funny, the new run of X-Men, they've seemed to understand that, like, hey, we don't need Wolverine and everything. We have X-23. Excuse me. We have another we have Wolverine. Not another Wolverine. We have Wolverine and Laura Kinney. We have mm-hmm. Honey Badger. We have people who can fill that void and we can, and characters we can grow. They didn't do that with the Inhumans. It was just like, hey, they've been around for decades. Let's just throw them in there and hope for the best. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. You gotta build that. You gotta build that foundation to make them worth anybody's time. And, and it was funny because I'm a person who was, I root for the underdog. I always root for the underdog. It's one of the reasons I like Wolverine. And everyone's, well, he's the best there is. I'm like, he gets his ass whooped a lot. Yeah. I don't like it is. Is he the best? Yes. Does he get his ass whooped a lot? Absolutely. But that's part of the reason I like him. It's one of the reasons I like Deadpool. It's one of the reasons I like Thor. It's one of the reasons I like Luke Cage. I like characters who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kitty Pride, another example of a character who I think has had the greatest growth in fictional character history. There has been... Other than that Star-Lord shit. We're going to go that Star-Lord shit. There was no goal with being humans, except for Medusa. I, I don't... And I like Black Bolt. I was hoping that the Inhuman show was going to do well. I was... But then they, they, that budget was horrible, and you had the dude from freaking Iron Fist to direct it, and it was bad. Like, you had a great cast. You had a great group of people to play these roles. You had Sorinda Swan, for crying out loud, to play Medusa, and you wrecked it. And then just that one scene we saw of of Dude in um, Doctor Strange shows that Black Bolt has potential. Yep, a thousand percent. And that was, 
it, it's funny, and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this. He was the character that I was most excited to see because the Black Bolt character, and I think it's um, Salamin Ahmed who wrote the Black yep. Bolt series. And I didn't know. Yep. It's funny when you, and you probably understand this, but like you don't recognize a name until they pop into something else. I was like, oh shit, he's writing Miles Morales. I never realized how much I loved it and why I didn't love it is because I love his style of writing. His Miles Morales has been touch and go. Uh, we can have a whole other conversation about that. Another that tracksuit is horrible, Wade. I will have no, 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 no disagreement oh, on this. That, that tracksuit is god awful. Like the the giant sweater with it is fucking atrocious. And then I feel so bad when like black artists draw it. And they're like super proud of it. I'm like, bro, that tracksuit is horrible. I, I need you to stop. Just <laughs> Doug, just take the sweater off of it. <laughs> like seriously, like but no, like. Just like the humans get a bad rap for no reason, but they, but I honestly, I really do feel that like you understand the reason they get such a bad rap is because yeah. they're. Are you a wrestling fan by any chance? I used to watch it. The Inhumans are the Chris Jericho of Marvel, they're really great, but everyone used them as a building block for the next, yeah. Year. That's a that's a great way to put that. You know, minus but no, like the whole MAGA shit and fuck Chris Jericho. Uh, but you know, um, now if you, like now like like because like you gave us they gave us three pieces of the actual well four pieces if you have strange four pieces of the actual Illuminati which I really appreciated. Absolutely. What we what we didn't get which I'm very thankful for because everyone's like, oh Tom Cruise is gonna play um freaking Iron Man. I'm like, that's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Like that's not real. Get his Scientology have an ass out of here. No one wants that. And they didn't do it. Thank the fuck God. But what they did do and what they like what they did do that I was so furious about was they gave us Freaking Maria Rambeau, um, Lashana Lynch as Captain Marvel. Now, let, let, let me explain because I, I've caught in flack for this already from from a few people. But here's the problem, Wade. Who who was the first female Captain Marvel? Monica Rambeau. Monica. Not Maria, some random other black woman we made up for the movie that is tied to Carol when before that movie, Monica had no connection to Carol Danvers other than the name. They had never really worked together. They had done a few things on the Mighty Avengers and that's it. They had no correlation with one another. But then they're like, oh, we, we can make a, make a mom for her and tie her into Carol when no. What you should have did was have somebody have Monica be first and then have Carol take inspiration from it. But now we live in a universe where not only does Monica come second, we are going to make it so she gets her powers from freaking Wanda and not... Um, like, like her original source of power, which is really freaking annoying. And then it's like, yo, Maria is in this movie, and yo, no, no, no shade. No, am I, am I throwing? I'm throwing no shade at uh, Lashana Lynch. She was great for what she did. She did all right, cool, whatever, fine. But she is not Captain Marvel. 
Monica Rambeau is the first black woman, the first woman, period, to hold the mantle of Captain Marvel should have been there. And also, what ties to, to, to Wanda does Maria have? None. Do you know how cool it would have been for Monica to have her rematch against uh, Wanda? It would have been a different universe, Monica. But to have that rematch to tell or even give us a glimpse of what Monica's going to look like when she does get her own uh, time to shine. The Marvels. The Marvels, which is so dumb. But <laughs> Monica could have been given her time to shine. And even if she never gets to hold the, the Captain Marvel title in this universe... You could have given it to her there. You could have given it to her there, and she could have owned that shit, and she could have been amazing. Hell, you could have made her suit black and white to, to resemble um, the, 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 the her original costume. And, could have, and she could have owned that shit. But instead, you gave it to her random fan fiction mother y'all made up for no reason. And it pisses me off. All right. So, oh, this, is, this, is this is why I really love coming on the show and talking with you. Because we always have a level of agreement and disagreement. So mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with a lot of what you said. The one, the, what I'm gonna, right. what I'm gonna disagree with is I thought they tried to pay homage to Monica Rambeau specifically because she is the first Black Captain Marvel. And why not just get Monica though? Money, money or casting. It could be, it could be a couple of things. It could mm. be money. It could be casting. But I also think they did that specifically because we know that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There was a take a left or take a right chance that could have made Maria Rambo Captain Marvel. And as we saw in just the little bit of Maria Rambo, she's a more thorough Captain Marvel. You know what I mean? She wasn't elaborate, elaborate. She didn't have the, t- you could already see that she didn't have the timidness that came with Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers masked a lot of her toughness with I'm going to shoot my late my uh, energy beams at a jukebox. Maria mm-hmm. Rambo exuded confidence. You could look at her and go, oh, these other motherfuckers think they in charge. But I'm the one with the power here. And I love that fucking about her. You know what I mean? Wait. Huh? I, 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 I need you to go peep some old Avengers books because that's literally Monica. That's literally Monica. Like, have you have you seen the iconic shot of when Monica confronts Carol about taking up the captain mantle? Yes, and that's the thing, and that's why I'm thinking it was an it was there was them paying homage to that. Would I have loved for Monica Rambeau to have been in that place? No question. It would have been it would have been it would have been one of the things more for the comic book characters, for the comic book fans, than it would have been for only the people who understand the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was a specific selection for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fans of specifically the movies. All I'm saying is Tayana Paris was did dirty, but that, that, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, They're filming the, the terribly named Marvels because... The Marvels. I don't even know why it was named that because that doesn't even seem like like something that like the SEOs is really gonna pick up when you Google it. Like you know what I mean? Nah. It, like now, granted, did they kind of think they were slick by putting uh, Monica's emblem in the center because they thought they were slick? I I'll give you that. But are you gonna call her Captain Marvel? Probably not because y'all fucking suck. 
Oh, so and that's, and that's another part about that is, and I, and this this is something that I we better we talked about America Chavez's attitude coming into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Monica Rambeau, she better have that fucking Auntie Monica attitude. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Um, I'm I'm Captain Marvel, Monica. If you're nasty, I want to see that. Well, and like what I'm kind of excited about is they they kind of already set up a little bit that there's some strife between um Monica and Carol because like maybe Carol never came back or Carol and, and Maria got into a fight or some shit because in those couple WandaVision episodes someone says something about about Captain Marvel Marvel and Monica just looks like pissed and I'm, I'm wondering what's that gonna mean what's that gonna mean. <laughs> Yeah, and and I love COVID sucked. The one good thing that came out of it was WandaVision was the show that that got the momentum started with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Because if Captain America, because if Falcon and the Winter Soldier got the momentum started, people aren't really Marvel fans aren't signing up for it because it's like that was that was very meh. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the one show I'm never gonna go back and watch because it was like it was okay. I'll watch. I'll I will watch Dora Milaje beat the shit out of them over and over again. But in terms of the entire show, nah, I'm cool. Right. But when we talk about Wandavision, there are a lot of elements that that show what the Disney Plus universe or Disney Plus shows can be. I should say. And. <laughs> There's a certain point when Monica got her powers when she was protecting the twins, and it she looked at that dude was and all I could say was, "I done fucked up now." Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say like you, we need Auntie Monica. And as much as I don't really like, as much as I didn't really like the Zeb Wells run of Spider-Man previous to the one that were that's Amazing Spider-Man now. I loved what he did with Monica Rambeau when he was talking about her embracing, when she was a monologue and embracing who she is, embracing being the quote-unquote bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Monica Rambeau is the most confident Marvel Comics character we've seen. I'm not talking arrogance. I'm not talking the narcissism. When we're talking about pure confidence, ever since that conversation she had with T'Challa when he was like, you're a god, act like it. There's nobody that's been able to touch her since. She's you see, that's where you're wrong because there was a time during um Al Ewing's Ultimates where she became one of the most powerful forces in the cosmos. And yes. then they went, yo, we're gonna depower her and make her not be that powerful. And ever since she just hasn't been that powerful in the in the Marvel universe. And like that's my biggest issue with them tying her powers to Wanda. It's just, you make it as if she can't have her own abilities now. Like, she has to have ties to both Carol and Wanda when she never really had interactions with any of them. Like, she got her powers from machines that then she became, like, like imbued with, with light energy. Like, that ability for her to have her own independence, she's now tied to these two white women that had no connection to her whatsoever previously. And it frustrates me. But no, but and that's my thing is like I think that they're showing 
I really do feel that they are. I shouldn't say they are. I think you you may have tweeted something about hating writers who use the word we. It may have been you. And I remember reading that and going, fuck, I do that a lot. Let me stop doing that. So, and I say that to say, I hope that what we're seeing is leading towards Monica Rambeau being the badass that we've seen in comic. Now, the stuff you're talking about with the Al Ewing Avengers, with it was like Superior Spider-Man for a second, She-Hulk, Luke Cage, the whole nine yards, that was after the Red... Oh, see, I, I, I was talking about Al Ewing's Ultimates where it's Blue Marvel, Monica, America, Carol, and T'Challa. Oh, yes, that's what that. Okay, so, wow. so that was after... The conversation that she, that um, she had with T'Challa during the Reginald Hudlin series. Ever since that yeah. happened, that's when Monica realized that she, like, you know what I mean? That's when she started using her powers. The stuff she did in the Ultimate, like, even, like, shape-shifting? Dog. Or, like, even making herself into little bits of light. A literal light energy. You can't, like, dog. Don't get me started on the thing. Like when I really, when I really think of, and I look at women in Marvel and comic books in general, the things that these dumbass sexist people don't understand is your favorite character will get their ass whooped by a woman. What woman? Monica Rambeau and my favorite woman, Kitty Pryde, will whoop that ass. Like Monica Rambeau could literally evac like 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 disintegrate half the like the, the Marvel universe if she wanted to. Yeah. It's so annoying. Yeah, she could meditate in the fucking ozone layer and then use the sun to to start out to kill everybody. Yup. It would and yes, it would have been nice for her to be the Captain Marvel to get back to that in the Illuminati. But I did really appreciate Lasasha Lynch. Oh, yeah, uh, Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch, excuse me. She killed it. She She did great. And I don't think she's dead. Oh, no, she got got that shit dropped on her. She did. She did. Like, they get hit by comets. I think she's fine. And and let me say this. Wanda, when that reality Sue Storm finds out what you did, you got an invisible fuck. You have an invisible bubble coming in your brain. Mm-hmm. Like that, I will say, yo, yo. Speaking of that, you gave us Reed motherfucking Richards in the fan cast that everybody wanted. You gave us John Krasinski, the man that everybody wanted to play Reed fucking Richards, mm-hmm. and, and and like that whole scene where where where, where Wanda's talking to him, and it's like, like like like, do they have a mother? I'm like, yo. Not only did you just confirm that Valeria and Franklin are in the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you gave us the fact that Sue Storm is still going to be alive after you kill Reed Richards. Oh, That's a bad thing. There is nothing, and we debate a lot of stuff, but there's nothing you said there that is going to make me disagree with all of that. Mar- this, is why, <laughs> this is why Marvel has been reigning supreme when it comes to movies. Because they pay attention to fucking everything. You want John Krasinski? Hey, even if we only give him to you once. You... Well, I want it more. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Oh, he oh, what more? Looked, he looked like them. He acted like them. He even spoke like them. And, that's, and that shit, when he was like, when he told, when he told Wanda what he could do, I'm like, oh my god, that is so. My my wife Valkyrie, she was like, why would he do that? And I was like, because Reed Richards in the comic books is an arrogant asshole, and that's some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Reed, Reed, Reed Richards is the most arrogant asshole in all of comic books. That when he when when Jonathan Hickman needed him to solve a problem, he made him go to a council of of multiversal versions of himself. If that doesn't tell you how, like, 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 like freaking not only convoluted but also arrogant he is, that that that, that you don't understand anything. He is hands down, like I said, like like you said, he is the most arrogant character, and that's saying a lot considering we have Victor Von Doom and Lex Luthor and Billy yep. Butcher in the comic book universe. Yep. <laughs> Reed, like Reed Richards is a good person, but he's an arrogant piece of shit. Well, he makes and you're you're. I'm guessing you've read all of Invincible, right? Yes. He makes general not by not by choice, but I have. It's my favorite comic book of all time. We can have a conversation about that later. He makes general <laughs> he makes General Throg look like a humble person. <laughs> Reed Damn. Reed is just and it's funny and the funny thing about it is. He is so oblivious to how arrogant he is, and that's the best part about it. Like, like all he had to say was, "We need to stop." Mm. Wanda would have said some shit. Reed would could have looked down and said, "Black Bolt," and she and that would have been a wrap. Yup. But he had to fuck it up, and that and then and then Wanda proves that it only takes two words for her to fuck it all up. What mouth? <laughs> Yo, I made a joke. Since we're on the subject, I made a joke on um my podcast when I go um half off Super Soldier sale. Yo, okay. <laughs> a lot of people were. A lot of people have 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 asked me why and why did I not like Captain Carter being in this movie? I didn't know you. The problem. I'm down to hear that though. So here's the thing. The, the the issue with Peggy Carter as a concept is that Peggy Carter wasn't really around in comics up until the movies. They took a smaller note character from Steve's past and then upped it the ante. But originally, Peggy's original, like, the character she was based off of was a Nazi. And then they went, okay, cool, like, like, she was a double agent for the Nazis, but then we're gonna remake her and make her into a good guy, and make her part of, like, S.H.I.E.L.D., and all this other stuff. But no, originally, she was a Hydra agent, and, like, and like, like going against Steve, and, like, like, like she was the, the dryad. And then they're like, yo, we're gonna do all this stuff, and make her important, but the thing about it is... Peggy has just been this side thing that stands in the way of Steve being who he's supposed to be and being who he's supposed to be with Sharon Carter, who is now, because of the choices of the MCU, a freaking... I will debate that she is not a villain. I... A villain, anti-hero, whatever, but like... I'm not saying anti-hero. I'm not saying villain. I personally think that at the end of the day, she is just fed the fuck up and is like, you know what? Fuck all y'all. And I'm here for it. I mean, 
We, I mean, yeah, no, like, like, like she has the right to be like, fuck all y'all, because she could have gotten her part a while ago, but she didn't. She had to be, she had to be underground for five years, so I understand. But that's like my major issue is like Sharon's supposed to be part of Shield and be this badass character that fights alongside Steve. That's why originally the the Russos had them have a kiss and it was really cool. But then it's like, oh, I'm kissing my uh, great aunt Peggy's freaking uh, a boyfriend husband thing. And they made it all weird, and then Steve goes back in time to go be with Peggy. Yo, what if we take something from a Solid and Our Man Exiles issue and make it bigger than what it's supposed to be? And there's no reason for all of this of Captain Carter being in the spotlight, not only having her own solo comic right now, but being in a movie when we should be focused on a character that matters right now. Sam fucking Wilson. We haven't seen shit about Sam fucking Wilson in a year. And yet, we have Peggy Carter, a white woman, being on the Illuminati, when originally, the Illuminati flat out said, if, 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 if Steve Rogers or anybody even adhere to, similar to him, joins the Illuminati, we're fucked. Because we're a bunch of arrogant dickheads that Steve Rogers would be our voice of reason. That's the problem with the Illuminati, is they're a bunch of arrogant dickheads. And then you bring in people like uh, Maria Rambeau and, and Peggy Carter to mellow them out when they have no business being there. Now, if you wanted to bring in someone who's hella arrogant, you like, like there's anybody else you could have brought in. Hell, you could have even uh, premiered Charlize Theron even earlier than what you did and have Clea be on the damn Illuminati, because Clea's usually pretty fucking arrogant. But Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, okay. I feel that like anybody with the exception of no, actually even one. I think anybody who wants to have that kind of power and title, there has to be a certain level of arrogance to come with it. I mean, think about it. Here's a question for you. Who are your two favorite comic book leaders? Leaders. Um a hard ass question. Um or just give me two leaders that you um like you like enjoy. Because I'm willing to bet you, regardless of who they are, even Cyclops, for all his insecurities, he's arrogant as fuck. You have to have... I, I, I was actually going to say Nightwing and Wolverine, because I actually prefer the school being ran under, under Logan, because Wolverine and the X-Men was God to one of the one of my One of my closest friends, and um, I call him one of my... He was part of my Rockstar groomsmen. He said that Wolverine wanted running the school was... A moment that Logan should have been, should have had a decade before it happened. He said he was the yeah. person to run that school, to run a school. Yeah, and I agree because he is the most over. He is the most overprotective or protective character in all of comics. It literally took them doing schism to give him his shot, and it was like Wolverine should have been had his shot to run that place. What do you mean? Yeah, and I love that he named it after Jean Grey, and I, I know he did it because... That was so petty. That was so petty of him to do. <laughs> it was a little bit of... You know what's funny about this? It's because on one hand, it was super petty, but on the other hand, it was he was really him paying homage to it. Yeah. And, and guess who wrote that run? That was Jason Aaron. Yup, it was Jason Aaron. And Jason, that man writes God tier books. Let me tell you, Jason Aaron, Jonathan Hickman, those are two names that I will always trust. And again, uh, his Avengers run was a little. Uh, 
I don't, I don't know about that one, Pete. You know what's funny is I thought the same thing about what Jason Aaron and Jonathan Hickman. Which one are you talking about? The Aaron Bender's run. Jason Aaron, like, like because Hickman's Avengers run was god tier. I'm, I'm talking about Hickman uh, Aaron's run, where the only good thing he did was put Blade on the team, and the rest of the run was just confusing as fuck. Well, I think so. This is a conversation I've had. Some certain people. Certain writers, when you go back and reread something in it in like a trade or a um, graphic novel kind of situation, it looks a little bit better. And I really do feel that. Okay. And I really do feel that like once because I've I've liked Jason Aaron's Avengers, but I mm. love it. No, but I went back after a se- after a series is over, I will go back and I'll read it from one to whatever, like the beginning of the volumes. It's right. A little bit better. Like Jason Aaron's Thor, like the God Bomb, that was yeah. a good issue to issue. Yeah, no, his his Thor run was never had a rough time. It just kept going back to back, just bangers. Now he, and people, well, that's why when he went to Avengers, it was like, okay, let's hit, let's let's see more bangers. And then it was like, oh, you ain't got that many bangers in you. Now here's the funny thing: the Doctor Strange run, issue to issue, I didn't really like it. And when I went back and read it as a as a compilation, I loved it. Okay. So there, I, I really do feel that, like, I, you know, I'll put it to you like this. I really do feel that if you went back and read the series that you didn't like of Jason Aaron of the Avengers and read it back, just like sat back one day and just took like an hour of your time, I think you'd really enjoy it. Because I, I think, right. I think there's a difference in writing styles. And that's one of the reasons I didn't like Jonathan Hickman as much as I did, because his style is perfect. Hickman's one of those people that you need to read and trade. That's why when they were like, yo, we're going to put Hickman on X-Men, I'm like, yo, they're, they're, Hickman is about to alienate so many people and like make them not want to touch an X-Men book for like three years that no, like, that, that Marvel's going to lose sales because Hickman goes so big and so wide that if you're not on, on, on the, the pot from Jump, you're going to lose it. That's what happened to me. I missed like two weeks because I was broke for a minute and I just fell off. And I had to go back and read that in trade because if you're not on a Hickman train from Go, you're gonna not know what the hell is going on till it's over. And you know what the best thing about the Hickman X Men run is, is they were they weren't like, hey Hickman, you're gonna write seven books. They were like, hey, we're gonna give you Jerry, du- Jerry Duggan to write uh, Marauders, which I absolutely loved. We're gonna give you, and I can't remember the woman's name who wrote X Factor, which was fucking fantastic. We're going to give you Percy to do Wolverine. We're going to give you Percy to do X-Force. And we're also going to have you write a book from him, X-Lives of, and X-Deaths of Wolverine. So they made mm-hmm. a point to be like, you're the, you're the Professor Xavier of the X-Men. But we're also giving you a bunch of other captains within that. And I thought that was so... The- that's something that like well, we might need to do an X Men episode, but but like that's something that I admired that they did with DC Rebirth, where they like because I I I will say fuck Jeff Johns till, till the cows come home after what's been happening the past few years, and just I hate him for Hal Jordan, but I love him from T Titans. But one thing they did right with DC Rebirth was was letting Jeff Johns go. Okay, this is the roadmap. Can you people follow a roadmap? And a lot of them said, yes, I can follow a roadmap. And they stuck to it for a year and it worked. And then they shit all over it. And I was like, what are you doing? You know what's funny is like, so for me, like my DC comics, and we got to get back to, and I know that I... Doctor Strange, we're like wholly off the rail. Uh, I don't know if you heard the, uh, the the episodes I did with Mary when we did the My 100 
I peeped up. I peeped a little bit. I've been busy, but I peeped a little bit of it. Like, but like she called. She was just like with like the sidetrack kings or sidetrack queens or whatever. And yeah. but like just to, to get right back onto it, it's the Illuminati got freaking roasted. All right, let's just talk about that, man. Let's just let's just get right to it. Like, yo, like she Wanda literally said, "I'm gonna make Reed string cheese. I'm gonna pop a like Black God's head like a like a balloon. Um, I'm gonna cleave Captain Carter in two, and I'm gonna drop a whole freaking tower on Maria." And I was like, "Damn." And then, yo, like, I feel so bad for Patrick Stewart because Patrick Stewart said for so long that he didn't want to come to the MCU. And then not only did you give him the the 90s accurate chair, the Chris Claremont 90s TV show accurate chair, and you gave him an orchestral version of the 90s theme song, and you gave him the, the one thing he does well, which is say, fuck the Illuminati, and told uh, no. Doctor Strange to, ru- to rule over the Illuminati. And walked! And, 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 and you even let him walk in, in the mindscape, only to be like, what about to crack this motherfucker's neck? I'm like, damn. You just did this man so dirty. He had said for years he didn't want to come. And then when he finally does show up, you break this man's neck. That is so messed up. Yeah, like you, you could kill everybody else. But the fact that you did Pat, Sir Patrick Stewart dirty like that was so just wrong. You could have just pushed him off a ledge or like have him be in another room or have Wanda like cover him in a mind bubble or something. But no, you had her break his neck. Yo, it, it's, it's, literally, it's literally a DMX song. Your people pumped you up to watch you get beat. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. It was like there was there was nothing else that could happen there. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love I love everything that happened to that. But if we're gonna be completely honest about it, they yo, they there was no comeback from that. It was no, Wanda there was no comeback her ass and she proved that she is the strongest Avenger. I will say though, Sam Raimi, I need you to know. Everybody knows that you're good at horror stuff. Everybody knows that you're the king of Evil Dead. You didn't need to break Wanda's leg and have her crawl like a zombie oh, <laughs> just to give us a jump scare. Need, you didn't I, need to do that. I needed, yo, I needed that. Uh, oh, yo, my wife leaned over to me. She and she was like, "Yo, he really had to do some ring shit." I was like, "Yeah, apparently he did." <laughs> He, he did some Evil Dead shit, and, and like, yo, um, a lot of people wanted um Bruce Campbell's cameo to be like he was he was a strange, and I was like, man, not only did you not make him a Doctor Strange, you said I'm gonna make him a pizza ball guy. I'm like, really? <laughs> yo, tell me the pizza ball. Like that. Tell me the pizza ball didn't look good though. That, that looked interesting. It was a, it was an interesting concept. Um, no, but no, nah, the food is free here. Hey, you didn't pay for that. Oh, I guess it isn't free here. Yeah, <laughs> but like the one thing that I re- like, like, like I, they I really enjoyed was they proved that some versions of certain characters don't have to be horribly like fall to darkness because Strange was able to literally use the dark hold for good. And that was the most metal shit I've ever seen in, 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 a, in a comic book movie, period. Where this man said, I'm about to grab all the souls of the damned and make my Doctor Strange cape out of them freaking bodies. I'm like, yo, what? 
Like, what is going on right now? He really just made it. He was like, you know what? I need a cape. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a giant cape out of fucking fucking souls of the damned. I was like, all right, okay. He's like, you know what? No, I, 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 was, like, that was so now you have my interest. It was so funny, too, because, like, Rachel McAdams looks at him and goes, don't you need a body to, 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 to dreamwalk? And he was like, it doesn't have to be living. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker. Like, Sam Raimi, I need you to stop. I know you did Evil Dead, but this was too much. And then you went, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to top myself. I'm going to make a cape out of the spirits of the damned. Like, man, that's that's some metal shit, right? <laughs> yes. And, like, they even did a guitar riff with it, like, and, like, oh, fucking just so spreads the cape down, That was one of the most beautiful. That was the... It, it, hear me now and hear it nice and... Hear me clearly. If this movie doesn't win for best cinematography, it will completely confirm everything that comic book fans have been saying for years about the bias that comes being that. Because this this was flawlessly done. You can't tell You are absolutely correct. Like, I was watching, and like, that scene, because the reason I bring it up, because you talked about that scene with the notes. Like, dude, they were... That, that, bro, someone made a joke. They said Sam Raimi saw the uh, commercial for uh, Dr. Dre's Super Bowl, uh, uh, like, like, uh, performance <laughs> where, where Eminem fights Slim Shady with music notes. I'm like, damn, you just did him so dirty. That's so wrong. But it may actually be true. But the fun thing about because that, like, I, I, that was so ch- good cinematography, like, just the, the back and forth and the sounds, like, oh. And my favorite part about that was is how it ended, because at, because if anyone listening really knows what it's like to be a scientist, to be someone who works in the medical field, or even if you are into mysticism, something that small can really ruin everything you worked for. And I love yeah. that the way he did it because when he looked over, I thought he was going to throw a bunch of notes at it, because it's a heart. I thought he was going to go, mm, it was going to be really soft. But that one tiny note, I was like, that was a damn nice touch. Mm-hmm. It was real nice. Um, I will say, out of all the things that Sam Raimi did with, with Benedict, I really appreciate that they put a good, like, bow on the Regina George plotline, the Rachel McAdams plotline, because it was something that they, that the, the the previous uh, director put in, and like Sam Raimi's like, "Yo, they're gonna want to use Clea later, um, so like I have to fucking tie a bow on this." And they tied the bow on very nicely, and it was it was very clean, and I appreciated it. Can I and I am a huge Charlie Theron fan. Charlize Theron is honestly my favorite. I think I honestly think Charlize Theron is the greatest living actor that we have right now. I honestly didn't expect them to pull her like that, and then when she opens the friggin' thing and then she just appears, I was like, "Yo, that that actually surprised me." I I, I looked at my my roommate and I went, "Damn, I guess Charlize got tired of Vin Diesel's money and came to Disney." <laughs> I mean, if, if you're gonna do it, then. 
And like, and I don't. I have, I have fan casting for her if you want to hear it. Go for it. Um, if I was gonna cast Charlize Theron as anybody, I'm going Medusa. See, but mm, mm, hmm. <laughs> see, like, the, 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was really content with Sorinda and like, it, like, even though they ruined it, like, Sorinda was a good choice to cast as Medusa. But then with Charlize. Out of all the people, especially how how old Benedict is, out of like like if you had if you had a gun to my head, I'd have been like Clea was a good choice, or like yeah. it, mm, Maria Hill prior to Colby would would have been a cool call because Charlize commands that uh, Maria Hill type type of demeanor. Oh, for the um, more of her in the MCU too. Right, like like because Colby got dirty, got got dirty with all the agents of Shield shit, and then like you had if I had one more pick for like a perfect thing, she would have been great back in the day to play um uh, more more McTaggart. She would have been great. So like because she commands that energy of like yo, I know a lot about these mutants. I, I think Charles is a dick half the time, but like I agree with him half the time. Like I think she could have been great with that. Yeah, I just like she's like, like I said. I I have a, I honestly have a bias to Charlize Theron. I think she's one of the greats. And but like her playing Clea, and then especially the way she came out of it, like, hey, she just tore that shit open and said, "Let's go." Yeah. Oh, and then the idea of like the Doctor Strange thing, like when he just kind of pops the third eye open, like, oh, I have control of this bitch now. So let's not. Well, it was so funny because like the first like 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 the end, it ended with yo third eye all the dark old has him and then it's like oh he's he's just good now okay cool oh yeah but the- I'm thinking the eye is actually the real eye of Agamotto since they fucked up and made the eye of Agamotto the fucking time stone holy sh- yo standing o- yo standing ovation to you because that that really does make the most sense it. it- that was one of my favorite, my things with the original like plan of the Infinity Saga was you took one of the most powerful artifacts in all of Doctor Strange's arsenal and made it an Infinity Gem. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with yeah, you? Like, and, and you had cheapened it so much more when you saw Loki have them as paperweights. So one of the most mystical, powerful objects in all of of, of, of the Mystic Arts, and you made it a paperweight. What? So, like this, it felt so wrong. It, it was one hundred percent wrong, and that's and uh, one of the reasons why I'm okay with a lot of stuff that happened during Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is because um when they named six one six, I said, oh okay, I see what we're doing. Oh, they, they fucked up with that. They 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 they, they, they knew okay, they were no, wrong no, no. for that. It, it, it. So I was initially upset about about that. However, this is when something. This is when I realized that the comic book universe that we know and love is the equipment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is equivalent to the DC Comics Universe when we talk about Marvel. So the Marvel Cinematic Universe has infinite worlds. Here's my issue. Here's my issue. Because it goes back to like, like something that we've talked about previously on the show, which is the Batwoman problem of them going, we're going to create our own fan fiction Batwoman instead of recasting Kate Kane. 
you like cause, like what's happened recently with a lot of black folks that hopped on with Batwoman and enjoyed um what's her face because I don't I don't I, I refuse to watch it I'm at a protest but um <laughs> you saw a lot of black folks hopping on and saying yo why is Batwoman white in the comics Batwoman's black when and now and now you're gonna have the casual effect here where anybody in their mama who watches this movie is going to say the comic universe is 616, like the, the movie universe is 616, and every comic fan, regardless of what's up, is going to be like, um, actually, and piss off casuals. And that's not what we need. We need to be having a way for casuals to absorb the comic book medium without creating dissonance. That's what we need to start doing, but... Companies just love war, and that's what we keep doing: is starting wars between fandom for no reason. From the gospel of again, I don't. <laughs> and the funny thing about it is, again, I don't disagree with you. But like, so for me, one of the reasons why I don't really think much about it is specifically because I'm like, all right, let me just. Let me just get over how I feel about that specifically because I know how I feel. And I know, like, X-Men First Class was the moment when I realized, because I was pissed. I'm like, yo, how you going to have X-Men First Class without Cyclops or Iceman or at very least? Right? Mm-hmm, it annoyed mm-hmm. me to no end. So I didn't go see it in theaters. No, actually, no. So I saw it in theaters because me and my wife were like, my, who was my girlfriend at the time? He was like, "Let's go, let's go see it." I was like, yeah, "Cool, let's go see it." And I loved it. And I was like, "Fuck!" I almost didn't go see this because of my disdain for the stuff that happened during the comic book. And so, I, from then on, I was like, "Alternate reality, I'll get over it." Because I'm also a huge fan of alternate realities. I love the multiverse theory in real life. I love what ifs. So for me. Wait, you would hear you would hate to hear me talk about Ragnarok. So don't don't know you better watch what you say because I'll burn the whole whole podcast down over my how I feel about Ragnarok. Um, all we need to do is find a day when we're both free. And let me tell you right now, we can argue about comic books until the cows fucking come home. You have Michael Watiti is a monster. Oh, anyway, you have my number. <laughs> you right. You You're right. But text me about. This. Oh, uh, I told I, you every Wednesday we can. Excuse me, let me not let me not be too loud because I no, you good. Apartment, it's eleven o'clock, and I have neighbors. <laughs> there are millions yeah. that we can debate about when it comes to comic books. When it comes to television, you right. We we can do some filler episodes about it. It'd be fun time. Um, but no, like um, in general, I get what you're saying. Like it it gives casual is a way to see a different side of things but let, let me let me reference my favorite thing to tell people about why giving casuals a different like, like a different side of things can be a bad thing um my freshman year of college i was um in a meeting for the theater group it was just chatting about comics having a good time while we were waiting for the for the, for the professor and i'm talking about like how batman's a bitch because he he lets what um Joe chilled like 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 did get to him, and this girl walks over and goes, Joe like like Joe chill who's that? I'm like the guy who killed Batman's parents, and she goes, 
that's not who killed Batman's parents. I'm like, yeah, it is. And she's like, no, it's not. My dad has like has the 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 first issue of Batman where Joker kills his parents. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, look, I have a tattoo of Woody of the pale moonlight line. I'm like, honey. No disrespect. Please tell me you said honey too. Please tell me you actually said honey when you said. I, 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 I did because I'm like, honey, no disrespect. Because don't get me wrong, and this podcast is always a woman's safe space because we want women to enjoy comics. But I'm like, yo, yo, daddy lied to you because that like that comic you probably have is a movie adaptation. <laughs> Because that is what he says in the movie. In every, almost every comic universe, Batman and his parents are killed by a street thug named Joe Chill. And it breaks my heart because I've met some of the most intelligent women when it comes to comic books. But this one girl was led astray by her dad. And, or like, and on top of that, the casuals on top, like, were, were, were given the wrong information by the media. And that breaks my heart. That's why I hate Arrow so much. Because Arrow has led people astray to think Oliver Queen is this dark and gritty piece of shit. When Oliver Queen is one of the most badass, joking, like, Arrow-shooting motherfuckers that ever has lived in the in the world. He has his alcoholism problems, yes. And he has his dark times, yes. But he always is able to see the joke in things. And make people, and, and be that sly dude while also shooting the shot. And yet... The casuals are given the wrong perspective. So that's why I think some things that are done in this movie is dangerous for the casual market. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And I think a lot of times that um, the movies, the movies, excuse me, the comic books will adapt to things that they they um, get into in the movies. And sometimes it is very dangerous. And to your... Like what they did, like what Bendis did with Guardians of the Galaxy. I will say that I think a lot of the stuff that happened... With Bendis and even even a couple of the volumes before Bendis, was it helped Guardians of the Galaxy? I think it did. Help. Uh, again, we can have this conversation later. I think the yeah. adaptation of Kitty Pride and Star Lord getting engaged was pointless. I think it would have been, they didn't have to get engaged. I think it would, they could have ended that whole seat, that whole um, issue with just them kissing. We need right. a whole engagement. I I love I think that Ben Grimm has outgrown the Fantastic Four. Oh, go for sure, definitely. For but sure. I loved, but I do love him. But Ben Grimm's also a character that fits well anywhere. You could throw him on any team, and he works. That's why when when uh, they did the new Avengers after the heroic age, when they put him on the freaking Avengers, I thought that was genius. Yeah, especially with Luke. Like, Give him, give him room to grow. You'll, ne- you'll never hear me say a bad thing about Brian Michael Bendis' new, uh, new Avengers. I was called the the Luke Avengers. Uh, that, the Luke Avengers. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about Brian Michael Bendis in the new Avengers because that was one of my favorite runs. It was the reason that Luke Cage is a popular character. In him, in yep. like, there's a moment in that, here comes his name again, Wolverine, when him and Wolverine were like best friends. And it was the funniest thing ever because they are furthest from each other in terms of personality. Wolverine made a joke that he didn't even realize was offensive, but almost got his almost got his shit rocked for it. Mm-hmm. But they got. But no, like, but in terms of um, like, 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 the, like when it comes to the movie, I think 
them doing that is very dangerous. But in terms of the, 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 the movie itself, I think the one thing that I liked the most about this was there's no way as powerful as, as um, Wanda is that she's dead. There's no way. <laughs> like, like, and I, I feel bad that we've sat here and talked about like, like the Wanda and the cameos more than Benedict. But the thing is, Benedict came in and did a Benedict thing. He did the Doctor Strange thing the way he was supposed to because he's good in that role. But there really wasn't that much character development other than Stephen Strange is arrogant, Stephen Strange is, it, it, like, it can be power hungry, and Stephen Strange needs to get over his ex. And that's what they did. It wasn't really much of a character arc. It was just he he needs to get over his ex and realize that quit being so arrogant. Other than that, it it was very much just where he. This is the Wanda movie, not the Doctor Strange movie. A hundred percent. This goes back to our conversation about the Inhumans. Doctor Strange plateaued, but the thing about certain characters plateauing, that's not a bad thing. Oh, no, no, not at all. Because it can give a vehicle to other people when it's time that they have plateaued. Exactly. Ben Grimm plateaued, but he'll always be perfection in terms of where he's at. Is he elite? Can right. he hold his own comic book series? No. But you put him on a team, he's a 10. Uh, I mean, the Dance Slot thing run was pretty good. I, I, like, like, Dance Slot doesn't always do good, but he is a really good thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's Dance Slot, though. Um, you get a character like, yeah. get characters like um, another side character that works well. Um, well, well fuck it, let's just stick with Doctor Strange. Like he hasn't really had to evolve much. He's still arrogant, and every time he gets some, and every time it seems like he's humble, he gets into some shit, realizes that he's still arrogant. Mm-hmm. It's like fuck, I really haven't learned much from anything. Look at mm-hmm. Storm. Mm-hmm. Storm is a car, and then we have Storm, who's another example of a character who's constantly evolving. Like that's X Men yeah. Red. It's like, yo, she's about to she's about to be one of the most popular and most dangerous characters you've ever seen. Magneto is yo. constantly evolving as a person, not as a character, as a person. Yo. But then, and here we go again, Johnny Storm. He's gonna be who he is. I didn't. I personally didn't think that Johnny Storm could evolve anymore. And then Doctor Doom took away his ability to do anything up to um, lower his power level. Fantastic. That was interesting. I don't know how I feel about that story. Let me tell you, fantastic, pun intended. And now let's look at someone like the Punisher, who's been the same character forever. But you give someone like Garth Ennis his run, or Jason Aaron, and you're like, holy shit, he's the same fucking character. But for some reason, you give him different side characters, and it works. Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is that person. You don't need to chocolate cake. You get you get a teaspoon of this and a tablespoon of that and some this and some that. You have a cake. You get Doctor Strange. However, he's very much just always gonna be good. He's always gonna need to get humbled every once in a while, and that's what he's good at is getting humbled. Thousand percent. And that's what it is with Benedict Cumberbatch. So. And it was funny because there are few characters and act there are few actors who can portray a comic book character or just a fictional character in general and come out as perfection. Benedict Cumberbatch, Ryan Reynolds, and Robert Downey Jr. are among the list of characters that were absolute perfection when it comes to the representation of the character in comic books and their interpretation coming into 
a cinematic or a TV show. It's absolutely flawless. So you can't, you look at Benedict Cumberbatch, and the funny thing about it is he can age into this character. He can be a completely white-haired sorcerer to supreme, and we're still going to love him because he's... And to what you said, Benedict Cumberbatch is going to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, 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 that's why I kind of felt bad at first because it's like we're skipping over Strange, but it's like Strange is always gonna do Strange shit. That's what he's good at doing. Like, even when he, like, one of my favorite things Strange ever did was um, during the, the 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 Fallen Sun, Death of Captain America. He he does strange shit. He helps Wolverine and Daredevil get onto the helicarrier and says, "Y'all motherfuckers got ten minutes," and then he leaves. Like he goes strange out. I'm bouncing, and then he like y'all y'all got ten minutes to do what you want, and that was it. Like he does strange shit. He's good at what he does, and he learned his lessons. Even when they killed him recently to tie into the movie, it was like, "Did you need to do that?" And it's like, "Oh well, well Clea's the the Sorcerer Supreme now," and I'm like. Uh, okay, like uh, me... nobody really asked for that, but okay, cool. Like, well, I, like because honestly, I was really content with Strange Academy because it gave Strange a role of teaching the next generation of sorcerers, but not just teaching like people at uh, the temple. It was like, yo, I'm, I'm gonna form a school and teach the next generation. Yeah, Strange, and again, Strange Academy is a perfect example of that because it's been phenomenal, and not just because it's talking yep. strange. It's like they're bringing in magic. They're bringing in the uh, the dude from Brother Voodoo, brother not no, Brother Voodoo too, but he was one of the guys from the initiative who brought who could manifest people's fears and make them physical. Oh. Uh, I forget the dude's name, um, but they brought in other characters who can make Strange Academy well. But it all starts with Doctor Strange. <laughs> like you know, mm-hmm. he's just that good. He's he's the vehicle that can help other people. So like. Like at the, at the end of the day, I hope people don't listen to this and think we're just like don't give a fuck about Strange because it's this movie. It's like no, Strange was used as the vehicle for other people. So like that's where I'm gonna leave that one. Um, you know Wait, let me you... get this out because something just dawned on me with, every, with everything you talked about. The funny thing about everybody from the Illuminati is every single last one of them, uh, Professor Xavier, Iron Man, Namor, Black Bolt. Doctor Strange and Reed Richards. All of them are vessels to make a team better. All of them. Every single last yeah. one of them are vessels to make their team better. None of them can hold a comic on their own. Even Black Bolt. The reason, as good as that, as good as that comic book was, Crusher Creel had a major part of making that series fantastic. Like you know yeah. what I mean. So it's funny that they. That the Illuminati is, and it's like, and everyone loves Iron Man, but let's be honest, Iron Man comic books aren't that good. <laughs> they really aren't. Like, like literally up until uh, RDJ played Iron Man, no one was reading an Iron Man oh. comic because Bendis then went in and said, "Yo, I'm just gonna make him be RDJ now, and you're gonna deal yeah. with it." And that's when people started giving a fuck about Iron Man. Oh, comics. hey, by the way, Doctor Doom is a sexy motherfucker. Without his mask on, and he's a G, who is now going to be uh, something. He's going to be Iron Man plus Magic. Oh God, I hated that so much. Uh, we should just start making a list of shit that we should talk about, uh- <laughs> bro. It was and like that was literally just 
Bendis wants to write two books, and Bendis really wants to write his Doctor Doom fan fiction while he tries to get his invitation to the cookout. That's that, that's all that generation of Marvel was was Bendis wants to write his fan fiction, but Bendis also wants his, his invitation to the cookout. That's all that was. Because because nobody can fight me and tell me that Bendis just wants his like yes he wants to create characters for his children. I will give you that, but. At the end of the day, he should leave that job to and help teach and help elevate people of color to give his children people to, to, to look up to. Not do it himself. Because you everything that he writes after a certain point just feels like he's trying to get an invitation to the cookout and be admired by black people. Yes, you're a good person because you adopted black children, but you don't need to be the one to tell their stories. So I agree and disagree, and I've had this debate with my co-host Super Wolf Hobby about this, and one of the reasons why I agree and disagree is because I'm a fan of David F. Walker. David F. David F. Walker wrote all of Naomi, and I will have no one tell me otherwise. Like, Bendis just put his name on that so book. I'm, like, David F. Walker wrote all of that. Yes. But his Luke Cage run was fucking atrocious. See, I have a conspiracy theory about that. I'm listening. David of my conspiracy theory about that is his Power Man and Iron Fist book with with, with Sanford Green was iconic. Oh, no, no, no. But the the but but the but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm saying that when Marvel came down with the hammer and said, "Yo, Netflix is here. Netflix wants you to spl- uh, for you to write Luke Cage and for us to give Danny his own Iron Fist book. That way, we can boost sales and help the Netflix shows." I think, and I, I don't have anything to confirm this. This is, this is my this is my conspiracy theory. I think David F. Walker like didn't do a hundred percent on Luke Cage because he was salty. They cut his Power Man and Iron Fist book short because he had a plan. Him and Sanford were killing it. They were doing like like both Luke and Danny Justice and getting Heroes for Hire restarted. And then they're like, "Yo, we want you to write some random story about Luke by himself." And it was it it wasn't his best. But it could like, like it definitely wasn't garbage, but it wasn't his best because he knew he was salty about what happened. That's my conspiracy theory. Um, I can and again, I hate I hate agreeing with you specifically because there's no real added like uh, like animosity and heat towards it. But like I agree with you again because like that Power Man and Iron Fist was fucking perfection. It was literally everything. Even when I had the time to Civil War Two, it didn't miss a beat. Like it kept going with the veracity that it had. It even brought back fucking uh, the the one dude from Runaways as a villain. Yeah. Well, well, they, they made, and you know what it is when as a black like when you bring Alex Wilder back from the dead and make him a villain and put him alongside some of like the the baddest people in all of like just like street level Marvel and make him this techno whiz that's like doing shit from the shadows that was such a great idea and then Marvel's like cut it short go over here I'm like that you just fucked up the whole game son you fucked it all up we need him to write we need him to write to direct and produce. Black Lightning TV show. I mean, 
See, no, see, like I, like if 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 I have my day, because I because I already did our whole episode about like what I would do if I if I ran DC. Like if I was gonna reboot DC, I'd be like, yo, you get one Batman book, one Superman book, and one Wonder Woman book, but there will be a Black Lightning book that is never canceled. Whether it's Black Lightning or Outsiders, there will never be there will never be a time where Jefferson Pierce is not in a title, and he will be teaching the next generation. And it like and he'll be being a superhero by himself, and that will be the time where David F. Walker can come in and do what he want like like wants to do with Jefferson Pierce, and it will be iconic, and it will be the greatest fucking comic book of of the entire legacy. And you can have Thunder, you can have Lightning, you can even fucking give Anissa not not as give give um fucking Linda Pierce a fucking Green Lantern ring because she's related to John Stewart. You can do whatever the fuck you want, and that book would be iconic. But see, but see yes, I agree with you, but I'm not talking about a comic book. I want him to do a Black Lightning show. I want him to write, direct, and executive produce a Black Lightning show. One of the problems that a lot of people had with Black Lightning, this is from people I've talked to, and even Black people, they was like, the world wasn't ready for how black that show was. Yep, you're right. You absolutely right. Because, and I, and I, I will even take put a hot take on the table. But when, then we gotta wrap up. Black Lightning has the best season one out of any CW t- uh, superhero show because it gives you the superhero. It doesn't waste time. It gives you the superhero. It gives you the antagonist. It gives you the plot line, and it doesn't waste time adding random shit to the canon that wasn't already there. It gives you the stuff that was already in the canon, and because no one had anything to write back then, because every time they would get a Black Lightning book, they would cancel it, it takes it, takes everything from those different eras of Black Lightning, puts it in a modern setting, and just says, go. It just says, go. Do what you were supposed to do originally, but what you didn't get to do. And it does it well. It, it's written by black folks, it does what it's supposed to do, and it was iconic. But every other CW show missed the mark because they didn't understand the character from Jump. And those people knew Black Lightning, what he was supposed to be, and then whatever the, whatever the frick happened and all that other stuff, whatever. But season one of Black Lightning is iconic because it understood what to, it understood the assignment. One of the problems with that is, I know we got to wrap up, but one of the problems was the wife of the dude who's, who continued to write it, she left after season one. Yeah, because there was all that controversy with them, and then they had to like, like they had to bring in um everybody like a new team. That was what happened. But like in general, season one was just they understood the assignment. And, and don't get me wrong. So, a, there was a lot that goes on with it, and this is again when I talk about this is one of my homes when it comes to talking talking to, talking about comic books. We could do a whole episode on everything because I've watched every episode of Black Lightning. I covered it. I did live um, articles on it, and I also did. Five things I've learned about said article. I've studied mm-hmm. the Black Lightning CW show all 40 years for every episode. We can have a long yep. conversation about it. Bro, like tell tell me what I'll come on because I've literally read every Black Lightning run there is. Oh, like like we could have you a fun can give time. Me, uh, you can give me information because all I know from Black Lightning comic book oh, yeah. is the run he the run uh, I think it was Black um, Black Man Wow Batman and the Outsiders with um Lady Shiva, Signal, Orphan, who's Batgirl? Oh, you mean black? You mean Batman and the Minorities? <laughs> Yo, end the show. <laughs> bro, bro. 
Bro, okay. I need to explain. Like, like, we, we, cut, we, we cut the original joke of that, but I need to explain. Yo, that book is literally just Batman and the minorities because they took two Asian women and two black men and said Batman, a white man, is going to be in charge of them. Even though before that, Katana and Black Lightning didn't need um they, they didn't need Batman to be around to lead the yeah. outsiders. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, that, that, that's the cut and dry. Bro, I can't get past you calling them Batman and minorities. Bro, like it literally felt like that. That was the hook. Like, like, and, and, and Brian Edward Hill, you could tell he didn't want Bruce anywhere near it. But just having Batman and the Outsiders with two of Batman's sidekicks and two Outsiders OGs and Batman, it felt like yo, you you need somebody else here. Otherwise, it's literally just Batman and the minority. The funny thing about it was Batman wasn't even a crucial part of the, the fucking series. Like, lady, exactly. Lady, Lady <laughs> Sheeta was the HBINC. You know, you know what I mean? Yes, HBIC. She she killed it. But anyway, yo, if you had to if you had to rate Doctor Strange, what would what would you rate it? Out of ten, uh, comic book fan rating, I'm giving it a ten. Actual movie rating, I'm giving it a seven. So, from a movie and a comic book perspective, I'm I'm giving it a like an eight out of ten because while I have my issues. This was a great cinematic experience for a lot of people. The, gra- the the graphical fidelity was amazing. The writing was amazing. Sam Raimi didn't miss a beat. But some of the writing, when it came to the choices from the outside forces, made things not be what they should be. So I'm not blaming Raimi. I'm blaming casting, producing, whatever the fuck else from Feige, that this movie had a few flaws. But Sam Raimi wasn't one of them. Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't one of them. Rachel McAdams and uh, uh, and Choji Gomez that like and Wong, they, they, they Benedict Wong, they, they didn't do this. It was Feige. Feige is why the movie had a few missteps. Hell, I could even be like eight to eight point five somewhere. Like this movie was really well done, but had a couple flaws. Hashtag Monica Rambeau is here. But anyway, um, if you actually kind of look up our like, you gave it an eight. And like realistically, it's like I looked at it as like my seven rating for one and my ten rating for another. It would equal us equal an eight. So uh, overall, it probably is just an eight. Yeah, honestly, like, like just overall, because like I, I can't split the like movie and comic in me. It's very much like if you're going to give digestible content to casuals, you need to respect the content to me. That's why that's why I hate Ragnarok so much. But that's a different episode. Um, don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitch Radio, Spotify, um, a- uh, Amazon Music and Audible. Wherever you listen to a podcast, you can check us out. Make sure you do. Um, you can follow us on, on Twitter and t- TikTok at P2P underscore podcast. And you'll get all the brand new updates about what, what episodes are coming next. Uh, we should be releasing a Moon, a Moon Knight review next week. I know it's been like a week since the last episode, but you know what? Some people didn't finish the show, so you're going to have to give us a minute. Um, and then we'll have some brand new content coming out to you. Um, Wade, what is a book that's coming out next week that you are really excited for? I don't know what's coming out next week. Like this coming Wednesday, what, what is a book that's coming out that you're really what's excited for? out next week, honestly, but I will say this. If you're a fan of comic books, do yourself a favor and grab. You know, this is an older book. Grab Sex Criminals. Okay. I don't know what's called. Okay. But um, grab Sex Criminals, man. Like that's that's definitely the um the book I would definitely say people should grab because it's 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 got a 
a good amount of mysticism, and it's also got a lot of dorkiness, but it also has a dope-ass story. But, uh, fair enough, fair enough. All right. Um, the one book that I definitely would recommend, um, actually two books that I definitely recommend for next week, is, um, like, um, that Falcon, uh, no, no, Jesus Christ, Captain America, uh, The Symbol of Truth drops next, uh, this coming Wednesday, so make sure you pick that up, as well, uh, as well as Blood Syndicate, uh, season one, uh, number one comes out this, this, this Wednesday, so definitely make sure you pick up those books, I will definitely be making a couple TikToks about that, because these books are important, pre-order your books, FOC, final order cutoff is important. I had multiple people on my TikTok talking to me about why, like they like, like they asked me, why don't I know about this? Because you guys just go into stores and pick up what's available. You have so many choices, so many books that are available to you if you just talk to your comic book shop. Hell, I will start get I will start like make sure that I tweet out when different publishers do their solicitations because you knowing about final order cutoff and pre-orders is important to keep books alive. So make sure that you do so that. I'm gonna say this. Um, I, would, Wade, I want to say that this X-Men Red. Grab X-Men, X-Men, X-Men Red, Red okay. and grab Wolverine. Those are the two books that I definitely think you should grab next week. Okay, bet. Um um what is your closing statement for the episode? It does not matter who you are. All that matters is you downloaded the episode. <laughs> my my closing statement is what mouth? And my my, my, my my other closing statement is um support your local comic book shop. We will catch you next week right here at panel to panel. Peace out. <laughs>